I'm Cameron DeVazier. And I'm Mark Howard. And this is Talking Points. Our quarterly is going over making friends for God, the joy of sharing in his mission. And this week's lesson is number eight, ministering like Jesus. Tell Pastor us a Howard. Little, what other way would you minister as we're talking <laughs> here? But uh, we're, we're, we're looking this week actually at um, Jesus' strategy, if you will, for ministry. Okay. So um, we've got a, a nice healthy introduction here and then we've got our three main points. But perhaps before we get into any of that, maybe if you start with a word of yes. prayer and then we can go forward. Absolutely. All right, would you pray That's for us? Great. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful that you have sent your son to die for us and have called us to service. What a privilege it is, Lord. And as we're seeking to know how better to minister, we want to be like Jesus. We pray that you would guide us in the study of this lesson, uh, that it will help us in practical ways to be able to reflect Jesus to the world. We ask and pray this in his name. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, the introduction talks about, um, before we even get to our main three points, and do you want to, should we go over the main three points at first and then go well, back through? Well, no, what do you let's think? go through the, you know, when we're talking about ministering like Jesus, this mm -hmm. is, there's a lot of different things in the quarterly that I think we touch on here and there, but I think a lot of what this lesson covers is something that is talked about an awful lot. Yes. Uh, for example, in the first in introduction on Sabbath afternoon, it brings up a quote from Ministry of Healing, page 143. And I think for just about anybody who's ever heard anything about soul winning and evangelism, heard no matter quote. where you are in the spectrum of, of, of ideas of evangelism, mm -hmm. this quote is going to come up. And it's a good quote. It's in Ministry of Healing, page 143. It says, Christ's method alone will give true success in reaching the people. The Savior mingled with men as one who desired their good. He showed his sympathy for them, ministered to their needs, and won their confidence. Then he bade them, follow me. Amen. And so what we're looking at is really Christ's method. And that's why I like to say it almost sounds, it almost sounds unspiritual or even borderline heretical to say Jesus had a strategy. You know, mm. It makes it sound like he was yeah. self-serving or something. Which isn't the case, but Jesus did have a strategy. He had he he didn't just randomly, willy nilly go into soul winning. He mm -hmm. had a process, and that statement is speaking to that process. Mm -hmm. And we're going to be studying that this week. In fact, um, on Friday's lesson, the second paragraph it makes this point: the unselfish ministry of Jesus opens hearts, breaks down prejudice, and creates a receptivity for the gospel. So the idea is Jesus ministered in such a way that was calculated to open people mm -hmm. to the gospel message. And that's what we're, we're going to be studying this week. Okay. So what, what, are, what are our three points? Do we want to go here yet and, and talk about the three distinct uh, points that we could draw out of this week's lesson? Sure. Okay. Uh, so going through the lesson this week, this, the first point is going to sound awful corny, but... We should treat people like Jesus did. <laughs> Revolutionary <laughs> <I> thought. <laughs> but ministering like Jesus, of course, that's the, uh, the overall theme. But there are some things about how Jesus treated people that we're going to highlight in the lesson. The lesson highlights this mm -hmm. week. And we want to emulate that. So we can talk about treating people like Jesus did. And we can talk in broad strokes, but maybe not hit on specifically what it is 
uh, practically that we need to be dealing with. So that's what we're going to do. Okay. Point number one: we should treat on people, uh, treat people rather, like Jesus did. Point number two: we should minister to people's needs like Jesus did. And there's a little differentiation. Kind of an there, extension of that first one. Yeah. It's extension, but there's going to be a little bit of difference there. And then finally, and this is going to sound um, almost this heretical. This is going to sound heretical. Sure, Here it is. But Jesus had an ulterior motive, and so should we. That's right. And so. Uh, those are our key points for this week. Well, and as we've reviewed this already, if I were to take my time on something, it would be that third point. Yes. Because what we're going to cover in points one and two are very essential, but they're also very known. They're very uh, accepted already. They're kind of um, like the idea that we should treat people like Jesus did. We should they're almost a- not even so much, well, I don't know, in addition to being known, sometimes they are... They're taken, they, we allow them to obscure mm-hmm. uh, or even take the place they of... Almost overweight the other, th- you know. They actually sometimes interfere with actually ministering as Jesus did because of misunderstandings or a one-sided view or whatever. Well, let's, there's a statement that's in the study guides, which again, you can get these study guides right here on yes. the bottom of the screen. Uh, but even before we get into how we treat people like Jesus and ministering like him, it comes from Christ's Object Lesson, page 57. And and listen carefully to what she says. She says, the sowers of the seed, of course, in the scripture, the seed is the word of truth, right? The sowers of the seed have a work to do in preparing hearts to receive the gospel. Now, already in that sentence, notice it's, we shouldn't separate disinterested, felt needs evangelism type, I mean, uh, community service kind of work, from the reception of the gospel, but the two go together. She's drawing that line. In the ministry of the word, there's too much sermonizing and too little of real heart-to-heart work. And if you just read that sentence, you can walk away with a total different Exactly. Mindset. Stop preaching and more do. But she explains, there is a need of personal labor for the souls of the lost. In Christ-like sympathy, we should come close to men individually and seek to awaken their interest in the great things of eternal life. Their hearts may be hard as the beaten highway, and apparently it may be a useless effort to present the Savior to them. But while logic may fail to move and argument be powerless to convince, the love of Christ revealed in personal ministry may soften the stony heart, and here's the key, so that the seed of truth can take root. That's right. But it would be easy to look at this. All right, sermonizing is out. Logic is out. Argument is out. Right. Well, no, but it's a preparation work that we're talking about. So the two go together. Well, and that's what we're getting at. In, yes. And again, when you're teaching the lesson, you have to have you have to be in tune with what the yes ideas are that are being promoted out there. And for many years now, if I dare say decades in the Adventist Church, there has been this emphasis, and, and I praise the Lord for it, on making sure that you're not, um, uh, and I hate to use the word disinterested, Alan might use it in a different way, right. but you're not just kind of checking off a list of, of well, I gave him this tract, and I gave him this study, etc., etc., and, and you know, so we want to make personal. sure that we're, we're caring and loving and right. we're meeting people, but that it, there's a, it's developed a mentality and a mindset today that, you know what, we've spent all those years doing evangelistic meetings and giving mm-hmm. Bible studies when really what we needed to do was as if one is taking right. the place of the other. against the other. The other or, yeah. And so as you read in this statement, it makes the point that you'll never find that in the ministry of Jesus where one is pitted against another. And so while, there, while emphasizing the importance of meeting people's needs and, and showing love and, and mm-hmm. compassion is good, yes, it, we, you've got to watch the other uh, ditch mm-hmm. of allowing that to take the place of ministering the word. Right. 
And so this lesson highlights that. And essentially that's what we're going to be looking at through these three points. We should start where Jesus started with how he viewed people, how he treated people, and then what was his ultimate goal. And it's not, I'm going to tell you, I've taught because of our role in teaching and training and evangelism, mm -hmm. I wouldn't be surprised at all if our teachers don't run into a number of comments in the class and say, That's right. you know, I agree, we ought to teach people, teach people and treat them like Jesus did, That's right. and we shouldn't be doing, and we shouldn't be doing, and we shouldn't be doing, and then they're going to basically be throwing <laughs> half the way we do evangelism under the bus right. in, in favor of just being just being nice. And, and the reason so we're I emphasizing this process, sorry to cut you off, but the reason is because, because teachers and members alike might be tempted to either go that way themselves or be in a situation where that conversational line will come up. And we That's want right. to make sure that you have that broader overarching mentality instead of just getting caught up because those eddies out of That's the stream right. can distract you and you can spend your whole time going down a path and actually teach something that we're, it's not just off topic, but actually counter to the ultimate objective of Jesus. That's right. I've heard, I mean, I can't tell you the times I've heard that mentality that, you know, we need to just, um, you know, you hear little quippy, cute little sayings like, yeah, I'd rather see a sermon than hear one any day. And those right. are great platitudes. Yeah. But what does that mean? Yeah. And, and oh, I'm going to give it, and I have to remind people that, you know, they say, well, I just want to show by my example that I'm a Christian by being kind and loving. Here's a newsflash for you. Buddhists are kind and loving. Taoists are kind and loving. And yeah. even Wiccans, which is a form of witchcraft, believe in being kind and loving. Mm -hmm. So you being kind and loving doesn't speak of Christ. Right. There's got to be more. And, and so Jesus was kind and loving, but there was more. There was more. And we're going to see that in this lesson. All right, so let's get so into it. So how did Jesus treat people? Well, right. the lesson brings out um, that in, in Luke 4.22... The Bible says that people marveled at Christ's gracious words. Hmm. And so there was a manner in which he spoke to people that was uh, warm and disarming. Hmm. And an example the, that the lesson gives is, one of the examples is that of the centurion who came to him in Matthew chapter 8 and uh, wasn't, didn't even feel worthy to have Jesus come under his roof, but said, speak the word only, which My is it's a powerful yeah. story. But Jesus' response to him was, I've not found so great faith in all of Israel. Now, when you think of the framing of this whole thing, and you think of Jesus' words, this, here's, a, here's Jesus speaking very affirming words to a Gentile man That's right. who worked for the Roman government. I mean, even the Jews, like the tax collectors, the reasons pe the Jews had a problem with them is because they were Jews, natural-born yeah, Jews. Sell but they the sell out to yeah. the Romans. This is a Roman working for the Romans. Right. And so here he's a Gentile, he's working for the Romans government. And for Christ to approach him in that way, put him on not only equal standing, mm. but an elevated standing. And so, um, incidentally, the Roman government was the government oppressing them. So you look at our world today, and you look at the way that even Christians are reacting against oppression. Fight it back! Take mm. care of it! Take it down! Mm -hmm. and whatever. But here's Jesus actually elevating the oppressor mm. in his interaction. Not the oppression, don't mm -hmm. misunderstand. But Jesus was very affirming and, 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 and sought the best in people and tried, his words conveyed that to them and really mm -hmm. um, expressed a genuine care. Right. Mm. Um, let's talk about, uh, you know, in the context of that love, then, you know, you have Ephesians 4.15 where it talks about we should be speaking the truth in love. Right. So it's not, um, it's not a dishonest 
Uh, right. You know what I'm saying? Like, for instance, I think of the woman... It's not the placating well, people and covering exactly. them. Well, I don't want to offend Just calling so everything good when yes. it's not. But you can be... Uh, you can treat people in a kind, Christ-like way, and that Christ-likeness includes honesty. That's right. And, and it, it has to have that message with it, or it's just for no reason right. at all. Right, and speaking the truth doesn't mean you have to be mean about it. Exactly. Ellen White talks about people who make the truth cruel. Mm. And so, you know, there is a, there is, you, there needs to be, in fact, the statement comes to my mind yeah. in Desire of Ages 353, we have it in our notes here. Christ himself did not suppress one word of truth, but he spoke it always in love. He exercised the greatest tact and thoughtful, kind attention in his interaction with people. He was never rude, never needlessly spoke a severe word. I, and I like that. that it, there were words that were severe that he spoke, mm. but not needlessly. Not it, needlessly. It, only yeah. when it was had to be done, and even then, uh, in a kind and respectful way. Yeah. He never gave needless pain to a sensitive soul. He did not censure human weakness. In all men he saw fallen souls whom it was his mission to save. And that Amen. was conveyed in his demeanor. Mm -hmm. And you shared this other one here from uh, Councils to Parents, Teachers, and Students earlier. Yes. Uh, it right. talks about Jesus, how he interacted with people. And it's a fascinating balance. It says, the Savior's entire life was characterized by disinterested benevolence and the yes. beauty of holiness. He is our pattern of goodness. From the beginning of his ministry, men begin to comprehend more clearly the character of God. He carried out his teaching in his own life. And this is how she continues to explain how that happened. He showed consistency without obstinacy, benevolence without weakness, tenderness and sympathy without sentimentalism. He was mm -hmm. highly social, yet he possessed a reserve that discouraged any familiarity. So he was always mingling with the people, but he didn't play favorites. Mm -hmm. he, was sent, he, was, he had a sentiment, but not sentimentalism, right? She goes on, his temperance never led to bigotry or austerity. He was not conformed to the world, yet he was attentive to the wants of the least among men. Mm. I love that, that, that holistic approach that Christ had yes. in ministry. He took the principles he was articulating and he embodied them, and you could see it, and people could recognize, like, this man is different. Yes. Well, you read that statement, and I mean, you, we could spend the rest of the time on really just w drilling down into that, but just meditating on those elements of character, obstinacy, uh, I'm sorry, consistency without obst obstinacy is stubborn, stubborness, right, kind of digging your heels again. in. It's like, well, if I'm going to be consistent to something, and, and it's almost like we, we have to be stubborn. Mm. And no, Jesus was able to be consistent, could be consistent and but not, not stubborn. stubborn. Yeah. Um, loving without being wishy-washy, you know, mm -hmm. weakness. Just, it, it's a powerful statement to really yeah. meditate on and really take to heart. But this is... This was how Jesus treated people. Yes, it is. Um, so in, in, in giving of the message of truth, he had a, a demeanor about him and a way of presenting that was winning mm -hmm. in its influence. Mm -hmm. now, now, that's not the same. At, well, uh, pardon me. Go ahead. You were going to say. Well, I was just going to move on to the, 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 the question that is brought up. It, it ties to this in the bottom of yeah. Monday's lesson. Yes. Uh, and the question is how, uh, no, the question is why is how we say something as important or even more important than what we say. Is it possible that our conveyance can actually undermine the content of what we're trying to say? We can have a good message in a bad messenger and right. actually negate the whole point. And we had said this and we were discussing before, it made me think of, a of, of uh, some counsel Ellen White wrote to one of our early ministers, A.T. Jones. She, this is a man, she said, was bringing a, a divine, like God gave him a message this to give to the church. Message, yes. it was, 
message, the right message for the right time. But she said, Brother Jones, I saw you in, in, in uh, this dream and you were holding this bowl of fruit to the people, this beautiful looking fruit, but nobody wanted to take it out of the bowl because of the expression on your face, something mm. like that. In mm. other words, and the fruit, of course, represented the message of truth that mm -hmm. he had, but his attitude was such that it turned the people off to the beautiful fruit. Mm. And it made me think of this statement in Desire of Ages, page 357, where it says, A spirit contrary to the spirit of Christ would deny him whatever the profession. Mm. So, again, making the truth cruel, you can, you can present the truth in a way that actually makes people not want any of it. So the attitude ought to convey, your demeanor ought to demonstrate the truth that you're trying to share. Well, and it goes back to that message that we just read there, that how... Um, how Christ, uh, what was the statement? He carried out his teachings in his own life. So he yes. didn't just carry this message right. disconnected. He embodied the message, and we should do the same thing. So, so the next point is we should minister to people's needs like Jesus did. And yes. It sounds similar, but it's the other had to do with his, his attitude. attitude. His approach, yeah. But, but then what he did specifically, we see that Jesus, in, in that statement, he ministered to people's needs, and... We see that throughout his healing ministry, yes. for example. And in fact, as I just says on page 350, during his ministry, Jesus devoted more time to healing the sick than preaching, mm -hmm. which is an interesting. So much of his, in fact, that's what Isaiah foretold mm -hmm. in Isaiah 61. Right, that's what I was just looking up yeah. there, Isaiah 61, I mean, he foretold one, that. which is exactly, by the way, what Jesus uh, ascribed to himself when he stood up in the, in the church in Nazareth, in the synagogue, yes. right? He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon, of God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach the good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. So tied up in his own prophetic mission statement is, yes, the giving of the gospel message, but it's tied with the help work, uh, yes. benevolent method of conveying that message. Right? You know where James talks about seeing somebody who's, who's right. cold naked and saying, hey, be warm and cold. God like, bless you. Yeah, yeah, I hope you're feeling better. <laughs> yeah. and I sure hope somebody, and not doing anything to help right. him. So Jesus didn't just have a nice, friendly attitude. He actually sought to do what he could to meet the needs of people. Mm -hmm. And he was modeling that uh, for you and me. Now, I think that's the point that was being made on the Tuesdays quarterly on the yes. first paragraph there. It says, our Lord's method of evangelism goes beyond memorized speeches and canned presentations. And we'll come back to that in a second. Yes. <laughs> it, is a, it is as rich and dynamic as life itself. And it goes on to talk about how he would rub shoulders with people and he would address their mental, spiritual, emotional, all these different needs. He was eager to address those needs. But at the beginning of that, it kind of, it almost makes it sound like... It's a little bit of a side blow to public evangelism. And, and right. I, I'm sure there has been public evangelism, there have been efforts sure. where it was just some canned Just going through the motion, click, but click, click, But sometimes we act like that's all public evangelism is. Right. Jesus had a public ministry. Absolutely. We'll talk about he that did. as well. It absolutely did. But clearly it began with the meeting of the need and the relating yes. to people where, where they were. And that's the emphasis point. Yes. And there's a great statement uh, along those lines on uh, Friday's lesson. In fact, this is two pages later in Ministry of Healing from the Christ Method Alone mm -hmm. uh, statement. And it's the first paragraph there on Friday. It says, many have no faith in God and have lost confidence in man. And we could go on to say, I mean, Christianity has mm -hmm. become its own worst enemy and by mo not modeling Christ-like Christianity. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so people lost confidence. 
but they appreciate acts of sympathy and helpfulness as they see one with no inducement of earthly praise or compensation coming to their homes, ministering to the sick, feeding the hungry, clothing the naked, comforting the sad, and tenderly pointing all to him of whose love and pity the human worker is but the messenger. As they see this, their hearts are touched. Gratitude springs up, faith is kindled, they see that God cares for them, and they are prepared to listen as his word is open. And that's what Jesus did, mm-hmm. as he modeled the love of God in practical ways, then people who were turned off to religion actually warmed up to it. Yes. And I want to interject here with this statement. Please. I think there's a, a powerful point here that we tend to overlook. It says, when people see those who have, with no inducement of earthly praise or compensation, I'm going to tell you that there's a lot of Christian help work today that gives us earthly praise and compensation. Mm. Right? I mean, there's a lot. I can go out and feed people. And then we talk about how good we've been doing the community. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What that does is the people in the community are going to look at that and say, you're yeah. just getting praise for you're it. You're trying to get likes and clicks. It's the yeah. kind of stuff that we do that there is no praise for that really has that telling influence on people. Mm. Jesus wasn't getting praised That's for true, what he was true. doing, by and large. That's so true. Now, taking into our third now point, uh, the end of that statement there, again, they see... Well, and this dovetails off point two. That's exactly my point, is that you look at that final thought there from Mystery and Healing 145, it's on Friday's lesson. They see that God cares for them, and they are prepared to listen as his word is open. Yes. Time and again, when you read these powerful statements from the spirit of prophecy about the need and the responsibility we have to meet people's needs and felt needs and Isaiah 61 where Christ and Isaiah 50, 58 yes. with us. But they always... Matthew 25 and the visiting of those sick exactly. in prison, whatever. But they always end, especially in the pen of inspiration, that, that that's not an end of itself. Yes. That, is, that is the preparation to allow the great message of truth to come in. Well, and this is where we were talking about Christ's method was a, a it, it included the, the healing ministry we had, right. but it was a comprehensive, um, it included many components. And, and we were saying beforehand mm-hmm. that we tend to compartmentalize soul winning evangelism yes. sometimes. We want to make it this thing. And in fact, sometimes like there was an age where it was all about public evangelism. And it's like, oh, that doesn't work. It, we need it. It's all about, you know, mm-hmm. meeting people's needs. And it's all, and, it, and it's always like it's this piece. Jesus' ministry was comprehensive. And mm-hmm. so when you read this, uh, again, Christ's method, he mingled with men as one who desired. He showed his sympathy. He ministered to their needs and won their confidence. Y- you walk through that. Why was he ministering to their needs? Because he wanted to win their confidence. Why was he trying to win their confidence? So he could teach them truth. In other words, there was a, there was a plan in all of this mm-hmm. to ultimately introduce them to the truth because Jesus knew that he could heal their physical bodies now, but that's not going to save them for eternity. And sometimes in the church, I think that we feel like it's wrong to have a deeper aim, a a broader expectation on what you might call an ulterior motive, like that there's more to it. So, oh, there's some string attached. You just, you want me to join you. And and you know how many times like people like, oh, you just want me to join your church. What's the natural answer? No, 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 I don't. Yeah. Yes. Yes, I want you to join my church. I want well, you to accept the gospel a, message. I want you to be saved in Jesus Christ. I want you to become an active member of the church. Let's take a man who's, who's hungry, mm-hmm. and you're giving him a sandwich. Like, oh, you just want that guy to be saved. 
Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, that's uh, a, so th- it's no. Almost, I'm just going to give him a sandwich, and I ho- I don't care if he's lost. Or well, sick. go back to one of the things you started up for. Jesus I think wanted we, him to be saved, and Christ had a strategy for that, and it that's included right. the natural benevolence of a of a heavenly and that society. Strategy yes. was because of the love of Christ. Yes. It's impo- how can you say you have a love for humanity? And, well, I don't care if they're saved or not. I just or, wanted to have or a sandwich. Or to not have a strategy is almost deemed in, nowadays as the most Christ-like approach. Is yes. to completely have no. No aim, no more. When, of course, the ultimate aim is and, salvation. And in fact, I've had Adventists even quote Ellen White and say, well, that's disinterested benevolence. Right. You know, that's the whole idea is you shouldn't care. That disinterested benevolence just means you're not looking for what you can get out of it. Not that right. you don't want them ultimately saved. Right, or, or that you're not taking into account their race or nationality or their ethnic, whatever. But we should we should be disinterested in those things, but we're highly interested in yes. their soul. Well, there's a great text in the Gospel of Mark, and you were highlighting this earlier, and the lesson brings it out, Mark 1, 38 and 39. Mm. Yes. Well, I don't have it turned here right, right now, but let's go there very quickly, yeah. uh, where Jesus himself explains his thinking along these lines. Mark 1, 38 and 39, yeah. um, where Jesus is talking to his disciples, but he said to them, let us go into the next towns that I may preach there also, because for this purpose I have come forth. And he was and he was preaching in their synagogues throughout all Galilee and casting out demons. Now, now he was already in one place yes. healing. He could have just stayed in that one place right. and continued to heal. But he said, let's purposely go to the next town that I may preach, because for this purpose I have come forth. He said, my purpose here wasn't just to come to this location or to do just this type of ministry. My ultimate goal is to preach this message. That's right. And so in order to do that, we need to move from this place. We need to do this kind of work so we can preach the message. That's the reason I came. When Seventh-day Adventists come into a community or are raised up at all, the Lord does not intend us to just blend in the crowd and maybe do some nice things on the side to do. Mm-hmm. We have an ultimate goal is to preach this present truth message but it shouldn't be apart from the other work. Right. It should be a comprehensive approach that ends in the ultimate acceptance right. of that faith. And I think, you know, there's a great statement of Desire of Ages. See, Jesus saw the far-reaching results of everything, mm. and he understood the needs of humanity. And that's why, for example, Desire of Ages, page 822, says, Nigh and... I'm sorry, nigh or near, mm-hmm. and afar off are souls weighed down by a sense of guilt. It is not hardship, toil, or poverty that degrades humanity. Now, she's commenting on that, <laughs> you know, we want to minister to those things, but let's not forget, that's not why humanity is degraded. It is guilt, wrongdoing. This brings unrest and dissatisfaction. Mm. Christ would have his servants minister to sin-sick souls. That's just saying the ultimate need of humanity is Christ. Mm. And so while we meet the other needs, let's not forget Christ. Right. And even, I, I have in the notes here, you know, I've had people say, well, you know, I just, by my good example, I, I witness. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, your example is not as good as Jesus' example. If there was ever a good example, it was Jesus, <laughs> yeah. and he still preached. Right, and he said, <laughs> so, that's the reason I've come. So if there's anybody who could sit back and say, like, I just want to show in my lifestyle. That's what's right. Up. Well, he did show in his lifestyle, but that wasn't and the end preached. of it. Yeah, and he preached, exactly. Uh, so that's, an, again, that's probably... If I were a Sabbath school teacher for this coming week, it's great to look at the, 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 uh, Christ's attitude toward people. It's important to look at his practical needs meeting right. ministry. But you can't end it there or you haven't taught how Jesus approached people. You can't. You have yeah. to get to that 
idea of preaching this gospel message was Christ's ultimate aim, and thus it must be ours as well. Right. If we are ministering to people in all these other ways, but we're not ministering to their souls, mm. um, we're not ministering to them. We really we're not are. meeting the, the, the real need of the soul. And so Jesus... You can't separate his ministry from seeking and saving the lost. Exactly. In fact, that's what he said in Luke yes. 19, the most famous statement, you know, for the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. And uh, there in Education, page 263, yes. you want to read that? Yeah, fantastic statement here. Um, you know, speaking in the context of the, the needs, the, 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 the suffering of humanity. And it says, as the whole creation groans and travails in pain together, taking that language from Romans 8. The heart of the infinite Father is pained in sympathy. Our world is a vast sick house, a scene of misery that we dare not allow even our thoughts to dwell upon. There's so much heartache and trouble, yes. right? And we talk about that kind of stuff. We recognize it. Now notice, did we realize it as it is? So the implication is we don't even get the half of it that right. God sees and feels. Did we realize it as it is? The burden would be too terrible, yet God feels it all. Now notice this, in order to destroy sin and its results, he gave his best beloved, and he, God, has put it in our power, through cooperation with him, to bring this scene of misery to an end. It's in mm -hmm. our power to bring all the suffering to How is that? And then she quotes, this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world as a witness unto all the mm -hmm. nations, and then shall the end come. God forbid. If So all the things that we can do to alleviate the sickness and the right. suffering in this world, if we're not giving the gospel, it'll never come to an end. Right. The great alleviation comes from the gospel itself. That's that is right. The and we cannot aim. lose that. That's why we have a quarterly about witnessing. That's right. Because as we preach this gospel under the world, then the end will come. Jesus will usher in. Uh, the, the, the sickness and the pain will be gone. Mm -hmm. And a, a, eternal bliss with Christ is the way forward. Absolutely. So, well, there's a lot to discover in here and a lot to talk about. So God bless you as you lead out and participate in the Sabbath school this week. Yes. And let's close with prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you again for this day of life. Thank you for the privilege that is ours and the responsibility that we have from you to not only edify ourselves through a study of your word, but to share it effectively with others. Please help us to have the mindset and the attitude, the approach of Christ in dealing with people and help us never to trade off truth or benevolence, but help us to have that comprehensive Christ-like ministry that Jesus exemplified for us. Bless us to that end, for we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.